Welcome to Stats and Stories. I'm Rosemary Pennington, joined uh, by John Baylor, as always, and we're bringing you, once again, another chapter from our book, Statistics Behind the Headlines. It's, it's hard to think about uh, online experiences without thinking about false news. Right, right, or fake news, or all of the different kinds of terms we use to talk about this. And I, I think one of the things that attracted both of us to this chapter was this idea that you could be purposeful in how you track how fast and how far that false news will travel. Here's chapter six. Chapter six, tracking the spread of false news. Here, a story by Maggie Fox of NBC News. Fake news, lies spread faster on social media than truth does, relied on a journal article by researchers at MIT, Vasugi, Roy, and Errol. Story summary. Information spreads quickly on social media, which has raised concerns about the rat. I'm gonna start that again. In three, two. Story summary. Information spreads quickly on social media, which has raised concerns about the veracity of that information. How can you know if something that goes viral is true? This story from NBC News chronicles the work of researchers tracking the spread of fake news on social media. The researchers published their findings in the journal Science, from which reporter Maggie Fox quotes with some frequency. Fox reports that the study found that lies spread more quickly and broadly than any other type of information on the social media site, Twitter. While there's been some desire to want to blame bots for the spread of disinformation online, Fox tells readers that the study shows that people are actually to blame for the spread of fake news. She also discussed the researchers' struggle over what terms to use. Should they use the terms fake or false to describe the information they were tracking, for instance, in addition to the method the scientists adopted in their study? Fox wraps up the story by suggesting that even if bots aren't the main cause of the spread of fake news, their role should not be discounted. And while fact-checking seems like one way to fight fake news, the story cautions restraint as the spread of fake news seems tied more to feelings and beliefs than truth. What ideas will you encounter in this chapter? Data can be extracted from archived digital sources, including networks. Data analyzed could be features extracted and derived from a network of connections. Omitting some data and redoing the analysis can help explore the sensitivity of the results to other potential factors. Repeating a study with a different experimental design can help confirm or refute a result. The importance of interviewing to the journalistic verification process. What is claimed and is it appropriate? False news will be retweeted more often than a true news story. In addition, false news will reach more people faster than true news. Finally, cascades of chains of tweets are longer and more common with false news. While the journal article places responsibility for the cascades more in human hands than automatic bots, the story motivating this chapter includes a caution from a computer scientist about the activity of bots on Facebook and Twitter. The author of an editorial that accompanied the scientific work that inspired the story is also quoted. They shed light on other factors involved in decisions to retweet, such as confirmation bias, where a reader accepts and retweets news consistent with their prior belief. 
Finally, the reporter echoes the suggestion of the scientist that more research is needed to understand false news. The reporter closes with a historical connection of legitimate newspapers arising, quote, with ethics promoting objectivity and credibility out of the ashes of a boisterous yellow press, end quote. Note, in the United States, the term, quote, yellow press, end quote, or, quote, yellow journalism, end quote, has been used to label reporting that was sensational in nature and which sometimes exaggerated or made up the facts in a story. Journalists engaged in such reporting often engaged in unethical practices and, when it came to crime reporting, sometimes got in the way of actual investigations. Who is claiming this? MIT Media Lab researchers provide the foundation of and source for these claims. In the abstract of their science paper, they describe a study of, quote, differential diffusion, end quote, of, quote, verified true and false news stories, end quote. The reporter of the story based on this research provides background and inspiration for this research in the doctoral research of S. Vosogi, who was reacting to the false reports that surfaced after the bombings during the 2013 Boston Marathon. Vosogi's epiphany and inspiration was the impactful presence of rumors on social media. Why is it claimed? Researchers conducted a study using 12 years of tweets and more than 125,000 stories on Twitter. These stories were harvested from the Twitterverse and assigned to true news, false news, and mixed categories. This true-false mixed assignment was based on evaluating each story using six fact-checking websites. The spread of news was evaluated by looking at the characteristics of the retweets of each news item. One part of this research and the subsequent story was the decision to avoid the phrase, quote, fake news, end quote, in favor of the category label, false news. The researchers did this to avoid the problem they noted of the label, fake news, being used by some individuals, particularly politicians, to describe news or assertions that differ from positions or claims they're making. If fake news had been used as the category description here, would some readers assume that the researchers had a particular agenda they wanted to promote? Reading Research Consider if the meaning of particular concepts or labels has changed. Is this a good measure of impact? How would you characterize the spread of a tweet on social media? Would you use the number of retweets? How about a sequence of users retweeting an original news source? How about the total number of people who saw the tweet? All of these are good ideas. The researchers formally define several characteristics of the tweeting history of a news story. If you could take a time machine back 15 years, typing the words tweeting history of a news story in any future piece of writing never would have been predicted. Consider how you interact with social media platforms. Do you follow individuals? If you use Twitter, do you retweet posts? What leads you to retweet a post? How would you describe how a news story moves through social media? The foundational concepts for this analysis were News, described as any asserted claim on Twitter. Rumor, described as social phenomena of a news story or claim spreading or diffusing through the Twitter networks. 
and Cascade, described as unbroken retweet chain with a common singular origin. Reading research. Definitions are critically important. Your colloquial sense of a term or concepts, for example, news, may be formalized and used differently by a researcher. The news was also classified into categories, including politics, urban legends, business, terrorism and war, science and technology, entertainment, and natural disasters. Reading research. Data may be defined in terms of networking of interrelated connections. This is a common feature of social media data. The properties of a cascade were the focus of analyses in this research. And in fact, the comparison of the distribution of cascade properties between false news and true news was a key focus of this work. Cascade properties included depth, the number of retweets in a cascade. Depth equals zero if no retweets, a common value for John's retweets. Size, unique users in a cascade, accumulates over depth layers. Breadth, maximum number of users involved in a cascade of any depth. Let's consider an example cascade with properties reported at each level. This example was inspired by figure S7 in the science article's supplementary material. In this cascade, we start with an original tweet by, say, user zero. At this point, the cascade has a size of one, a breadth of one, and a depth of zero. Now, suppose two users retweet this original tweet. Call them user one and user two. Now the cascade has a size of three, a breadth of two, and a depth of one. User 1 and user 2 may lead to additional activity where user 1.1 retweets user 1's retweet and three users, user 2.1, 2.2, and 2.3 retweet user 2's retweet. Now the cascade has a size of 7, a breadth of 4, and a depth of 2. User 1.1's retweet is retweeted by user 1.1.1, and user 2.2's retweet is retweeted by user 2.2.1. Now the cascade has a size of 9, a breadth of 2, and a depth of 3. Finally, user 2.2.1's retweet is retweeted by one user, say user 2.2.1.1. Now the cascade has a size of 10, a breadth of 1, and a depth of 4. This example cascade ends when there are no additional retweets. To reinforce the relationships among users in this cascade, take a minute and try to sketch out the connection between the users in this example description. It should look like a tree with branches possible at each depth level. This certainly doesn't look like the data set you routinely see in an introductory statistics class. Here, the relationship among users is the data of interest and not the characteristics of a particular user. Thus, data here represents connections, a network or tree of connected tweets by users. In addition, users might be represented many times in the data set, both as tweeters and as retweeters. How is the claim supported? Let's start with the reported evidence and then focus on the quality and strength of the evidence. What evidence is reported? 
The researchers extracted more than 125 million English language Twitter cascades, resulting from about 2,500 rumors between 2006 and 2017. These cascades involved about 3 million people, and the researchers removed retweets from computer programs or bots from the dataset. The origin of the cascade was classified as false or true or mixed news based on the agreement of six fact-checking websites, Snopes.com, PolitiFact.com, FactCheck.org, TrutherFiction.org, Hoax-Slayer.com, and UrbanLegends.About.com. The characteristics of false or true or mixed news cascades were then compared. The original six-page science article provides the highlights of the work, while the document of the 50-page-plus supplementary materials provides background and detail, such as providing concept definitions and discussing the veracity of news sources. By selecting from the collection of all tweets in a window of time, the researchers could avoid the debate that might arise had a particular news source been selected. Figure S1 in the science article supplementary material summarizes a 2014 survey evaluating the difference in trust levels for news sources in different ideological groups. Trust in different news sources is tabulated in the article's supplementary section S2, and the veracity of statements is plotted versus trust of a news source. Here, a 2014 survey of the American Trends Panel asked a sample of American people with web access about how much they trusted sources of news about politics and government. These sources included major news organizations, broadcast organizations, and other sources. Participants answered a question about the overall trust they had in the source and evaluated them on a scale from consistently liberal to consistently conservative. Here CNN was the source with the highest overall trust. 54% of respondents viewed this as trustworthy. Before you look at the supplement, why don't you make a prediction about some of the news sources that you follow? The noteworthy lack of consensus in these comparisons supported the need to use another strategy to establish the, quote, truth of news. The use of different fact-checking software was justified from this perspective. Thus, each of the about 2,500 rumors in the data set launched one or more cascades of tweets and retweets. Up to 10,000 cascades could be associated with a rumor. Each cascade had its own feature as well, including size and depth as described previously. The cascades from Twitter required some processing to infer the correct retweet path of a tweet, end quote, using information about follower relationships between users in a cascade along with time when retweets occurred. The researchers compared the distribution of different characteristics of the diffusion of news, such as the cascade features noted previously, for false, true, or mixed news. The scientists summarized these impacts, noting that, quote, falsehood diffused significantly farther, faster, deeper, and more broadly than the truth in all categories of information. What is the quality or strength of the evidence? Formal statistical hypothesis tests were employed to compare the measures of true and false news cascades. At a basic level, this is simply a two-group test for the distribution of depth, size, virality, and breadth between true and false news types. A similar strategy was used to compare the same traits between political and non-political news. The scientists also compared the time required to achieve certain impacts for tweets, such as the time to achieve a certain specified number of users. 
The scientists also used a modeling technique, logistic regression, to examine the odds of retweeting as a function of users' characteristics. Followers, followees, or the number of people you follow, age of a Twitter account, engagement and verification of account by Twitter, and news veracity. One of the predictor variables engagement was defined as the ratio of the account activity, tweets, retweets, replies, favorites, divided by the Twitter account age in days. The analysis suggested that the odds of retweeting false news were 70% higher than the odds of retweeting true news when all user characteristics are held constant. It would have been interesting to see if the effects of news veracity was the same for user characteristics. For example, it may be that a new Twitter account is more likely to retweet false news than an older account, or the opposite. Expanding the model to investigate whether there's an interaction between news veracity and account age would allow this question to be addressed. The analysis included a consideration of the emotional content of the tweets. A sentiment comes in different flavors of intensity. For example, I believe you are mistaken and you are a clueless, unthinking idiot. Both suggest disagreement, but there's a clear distinction between the vehemence with which it is expressed. Sentiment analysis would attempt to map degrees of direction and intensity to the language used. This is typically done after so-called stop words, such as the, this, uh, and so on, are removed from a sentence. These scientists used a list of 140,000 English words and their connection to eight emotions in their analysis of emotional content. The novelty of the news was also explored. This was examined by comparing a particular user's retweet to a sample of background tweets from people this user followed. Novelty was basically defined in terms of how far a tweet was from these sampled tweets. Is this claim reasonable in itself? Does prior belief impact my belief? Confirmation bias? Our expectation and we suspect that we share this with the researchers and the reporter, was that the diffusion of false news would be different from that of true news. The result of this analysis confirmed this belief. One aspect of the work of the scientists that lends support and credence to this work is the pains they took to evaluate how sensitive their analyses were to assumptions that they made. These analyses included recognizing that tweets were clustered for certain calculations, conducting an additional analysis using human fact-checking to validate previous results, comparing analyses with and without bots, and comparing bot detection algorithm. The scientists work hard to extract reasons for the patterns they observed and the comparison of originators of news, sentiment, novelty, and factors impacting retweeting that demonstrates the desire to unpack the reasons for what is being observed. Finally, the scientists suggest that the value of additional research, such as behavioral intervention, to change the spread of false news. It may feel like every scientist says that more research is needed. Understanding and insight evolve over time, with conclusions from one study often being explored in subsequent investigations. How does this claim fit with what is already known? The scientists summarize previous research noting that much of this early work has addressed the spread of a single rumor or multiple rumors associated with a particular event. Other cited research addresses detecting rumors, slowing the spread of rumors, or a theoretical model for the spread of a rumor. The novelty of this project is that it, quote, comprehensively evaluates differences in the spread of truth and falsity across topics, end quote, and, quote, examines why false news may spread differently than the truth, end quote.
Thus, this work dramatically expands the description of how true and false news cascades in social media and delves into the reasons for the differences that are observed. As an aside, a replication of this study would be relevant. Would you see the same pattern of false and true news cascades in non-English tweets? Would patterns of likes in other social media platforms reinforce what was observed in this work? How much does this matter to me? This story should cause a reader to think about what they might forward. Twitter is a space where you can communicate one to many. Unlike traditional broadcasting, there is no gatekeeper deciding what content is worth sharing with an audience and what content is not. Traditional gatekeepers did this by weighing information's newsworthiness, as well as by checking to make sure the facts held up under scrutiny. There are examples when accounts on Twitter are suspended, but this is relatively rare. If you have people following what you say, then you need to be careful what you retweet. There's a temptation to retweet a post that is consistent with your beliefs, but the story and underlying analysis may cause you to consider and check the veracity of a claim or story before retweeting. Considering the coverage. One of the challenges that researchers often face is getting news media to cover their work. This is partly due to the fact that it can sometimes take specialist knowledge to understand a study, and sometimes because it can be hard for a journalist to see what's newsworthy in a study. That's obviously not a problem in this case. Journalists have long been concerned with social media's ability to facilitate the spread of unverified information and, frankly, anything that suggests the importance of traditional media gatekeepers, such as journalists, is going to get a reporter's attention. What's more interesting, though, is how the reporter chose to cover the story. Rarely in a news article does a reporter extensively quote a research paper. The reporter might pull one or two quotes from the conclusion, but this story from NBC News quotes extensively from the journal article itself. That, in many ways, is a scholar's dream come true, but it's not necessarily a shining example of best practices in journalism. Interviewing is a crucial part of the journalistic process. It allows a reporter to verify the facts they found in their reporting and to also push sources to provide evidence supporting particular interpretations of an event or issue. A story that does not include interviews is underreported at best. As we've already noted, verification is the essence of journalism. This means a reporter's job is not only to report what someone or some study says, but also to look at other sources to verify the facts or to explore alternative interpretations of an issue. The reporter certainly seems to have gone to other sources to help make sense of the study's findings related to false news. However, it does not appear the reporter actually interviewed anyone in the course of their reporting. Instead, the journalist appears to have referenced past NBC News reporting on similar issues and to have quoted statements put out by other new media scholars about the findings of this particular science publication. Maybe you're hearing this and you're asking yourself, well, what's the big deal? To which we'd respond that, in quoting statements and not conducting interviews, Journalists are still acting more as stenographers than reporters. A reporter's job is to push a source to provide support for what they say. For instance, the reporter quotes one of the study's authors as saying in a statement that, quote, 
Twitter became our main source of news, end quote, in the aftermath of the Boston Marathon bombing. Who is the hour in that statement, and how could the researcher know that's actually true? Research by the Pew Research Center actually shows that television remains the main way that Americans get news, and while internet sites are gaining ground, social media only account for 15% of Americans' news consumption. So no, Twitter has not become our main source of news. Had the researcher interviewed Sarush Vasogi, the quoted author, they might have been able to push back on that assertion and get the researcher to say something either A, they could know, or B, explain where the information to support the assertion that Twitter is a major news source comes from. Towards the end of the story, the reporter seems to pull in an outside perspective on the story, quoting researcher Phil Menzer about how bots do fuel the spread of misinformation in social media. However, this too came from a statement rather than an interview. But we don't know if this was an email statement sent to the reporter or a statement Menzer issued publicly about the findings of the science study. The other outside expert, the reporter quoted in the story, actually came from a policy paper published in the same issue of science as the study the journalist is reporting on. It would appear that the reporter conducted no actual interviews during the reporting of the story, relying on the research article and statements and papers published by other scholars, to help them make sense of the study's findings. At no point was the reporter ever in a position to push any of the experts to state how they could know what they claimed to know. That's just not good reporting. The original source article in Science was targeted at the members of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Note that our observations are not critical of the original source, but of how that source is being explored and communicated to a general audience. The bones of an interesting news story are all here. The reporter does a good job of contextualizing the study's findings, but verification is missing. It's difficult to verify the facts when you don't talk to sources. Unfortunately, a lot of news coverage of the study followed a similar pattern, quoting extensively from the study or from official statements, but not seeming to interview experts during the course of the reporting. One exception is a story published by Vice News. In the story, the reporter interviewed not only study co-author Suresh Vasogi, but also an outside expert on the issue. The interview with Vasogi gave a bit more background on what propelled the study on fake news on Twitter, while the outside expert, Joan Donovan of the Data and Society Research Group, helped the audience better understand whether the findings of Vasogi's study were anomalous. Donovan is quoted as saying, quote, The study confirms much of what we are seeing in social media overall, which is that headlines sell the story, and false news is both less inexpensive to make and more interesting to read, as has always been the case with tabloids, end quote. Importantly, the outside expert also contextualizes the study outside the realm of new media, reminding the reader that sensationalistic fake news stories have been the trade of some media for a very long time. Donovan also alerts the reader to the possibility that there might be a limited shelf life for the rapid spread of fake news, noting that in her own research, she's found that window to be about 12 to 24 hours. 
though other experts quoted in the Vice article do point out that the resharing or retweeting of fake news or other types of misinformation can lend it credibility that outlasts that short shelf life. The difference between the two stories is striking. The NBC story feels like a play-by-play of what the study found, while the Vice article attempts to unpack what the study's findings actually mean. If journalists are truly meant to serve the communities they cover, then they must do more than simply recite what a study or a source says. A story about fake news is fairly low stakes, but studies about things like vaccinations are not, as we have all witnessed in the controversy over the non-relationship between vaccines and autism, and more recently in some of the coverage of the COVID-19 vaccines. Responsible reporting, particularly when it comes to scientific studies, must include interviews if it is to truly serve the public good. Otherwise, a news outlet might just as well publish the press release they get from journals or researchers and call it a day. Review. News is framed as a social media claim in this headline, story, and background research. A news item is evaluated for veracity, and its diffusion through a social media network is characterized and quantified. The distributions of diffusion network traits are compared between false and true news items and models to examine factors leading to the retweeting of news are explored. A study based on analyzing a full archive of a social media platform is a compelling foundation for analysis in a news story inspired by a scientific analysis. However, journalistic coverage of such a study should interview sources about the study's findings to get clarity on how things were conceptualized as well as rule out other interpretations of the findings. Stats and Stories Podcasts Stats and Stories has featured a number of conversations about false or fake news and its propagation. The conversation with Phil Menser focused on the spread of fake news across networks, episode 28. Stephen Lloyd Wilson described social media impacts on democracy in episode 96. And Joshua Tucker discussed an investigation into detecting the presence of Russian bots and their potential impact, episode 88. The detection of fake social media accounts was one of the topics discussed by Mark Hansen in episode 70. Other more recent episodes are also available in which misinformation and fake news were discussed. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter at Stats and Stories, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.